Welcome to the Socrates Podcast, an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. On today's episode, we'll do a quick recap of the latest soccer news as well as the 4-3-3 formation. We'll break it down a little bit, talk about why it's so popular. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Socrates Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Marchesani, where we have an intellectual discussion and analysis of the world's most popular sport. And we just want to start off with some uh, latest soccer news just to kind of catch up on the world of uh, football and what's going on. You know, uh, my team, Manchester United, uh, making some signings. The uh, Frankie de Young saga continues. They've been going after him uh, for a long time, the whole summer. There's apparently a fee agreed between Barcelona and Manchester United, but no personal terms agreed with the player. Frankie de Jong does not want to leave Barcelona. That's been his club that he's wanted to play for since he was a kid. However, it doesn't seem like Barcelona really want him and they want to sell him. They're buying all these other players and then saying that they kind of want to nudge him out the door he doesn't really want to go to Manchester United. He doesn't really want to take a pay cut either, but he would have to if he wants to stay at Barcelona. So there's a lot of interesting factors going on with this. And at the end of the day, I would love to see him come over and play for Manchester United, but I wouldn't really want him to come over if he's not excited about it and doesn't even want to go. So this this is going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out. You know, uh, it seems like our man Fabrizio Romano has some sort of semi-Frankie de Jong update every other day. So we'll see if anything moves forward, if this thing can can kind of get to a, a finish line. Otherwise, they do need to sign a center midfielder, and they're running out of time. We'll see what happens. But I do really like the two signings that we would made last week with Christian Eriksen for free. Finally, some good business. And then uh, I'm really excited about this kid, Lissandro Martinez, center back. Uh, the guy can just play a ball, though. I love he holds on to the ball well. He distributes the ball really well. And his nickname is The Butcher, which I love. So he, he, can, he can defend. He's a great center back, but he can also play the ball. That's going to be a much-needed combo. And I could see him... You know, in a four four back set where he's a center back, maybe you got, you know, Rafael Varan or you got Eric Bailly or even, you know, Victor Lindelof as his partner. But then, you know, he steps up and almost plays a defensive center midfielder while they're in possession, kind of stepping into the uh into the center of the field a little bit more, helping distribute and allowing the other center mids to find other other spaces. I could see him being a very useful player for Manchester United in attack and possession, but also he's a bulldog when it comes to defending. You know, when when a new signing happens or there's rumors of a new signing, people post videos on YouTube, you know, of highlights of that player. So I got to watch a little bit of it, and I really like the way he plays. I think that is a great, great signing for Manchester United. I hope they're not done. You know, they've had two preseason games against Liverpool and Melbourne victory down in 
Australia. Won 4-0 against Liverpool. A lot of positives you can take from it, of course. First game preseason, but there's some little signs of of things that I like. Uh, Martial, Anthony Martial, Martial, what, I hope he can play great. It would be great to see him just come in, get some goals, start playing to his potential. He looks fresh. He looks like he's ready to go after it. Uh, Marcus Rashford looks a little bit refreshed as well. So I hope both of those players could step in because that would be almost like two free transfers because Martial went on uh, out on loan and and Rashford just wasn't really in the team much. He didn't play too much. So you bring these two guys in, it's almost like you got two new players. So I like it. I hope that they continue to progress under Ten Hag. I love the revolution, the Ten Hag revolution that we're seeing. So I look forward. Uh, he's working on getting them in shape and getting them playing his style of football. So uh, really excited about the direction that Manchester United is moving. I do think they need to make at least two more signings to have a real successful summer and give them a, a good chance going into the season. Uh, moving on to Barcelona. I, I don't understand what's going on with Barcelona because they were like basically bankrupt. They had to get rid of Messi because they couldn't pay him. And all of a sudden, they're signing players left and right for big fees. They got... Robert Lewandowski for close to $50 million. Rafinha from Leeds for, I think, $65 million. And then back in January, Ferran Torres from Manchester City for about $55 million. Where are they getting all this money to spend? And and how are they holding on to all the other players that they have? It, it seemed like a year ago, they were in dire straits, about to fall apart. And now all of a sudden, spending money, buying players, and, and they're they're looking like they're going to be an incredible team. Now, I will give them some credit. They got some free transfers, so they've made some good moves as well. I just don't understand where they get all the money to sign these new players when they're in some sort of financial crisis. But that's the world of football. If you want to read more about it, Pick up the book Soccernomics. It's a great book to learn about the business of soccer. And they talk about this kind of stuff in that book. Now, another uh, noteworthy uh, piece of news is that Gareth Bale makes it, made his LAFC debut last night. Uh, came on as a sub. Didn't do a whole lot. Of course, he's still they're still working him in and breaking him in. Uh, but I think that's, a, that's an exciting signing. I'm curious to see how he's going to do. We'll want to keep an eye on that one for the remainder of this season as we as we lead up to the World Cup. That's going to be an interesting uh, thing to, to view because the World Cup starts the end of November and the MLS season ends kind of the end of October. So that actually might play in perfectly for him. He plays the season, gets a little bit of rest at the end, comes into the World Cup fresh, and we might need to look out for him because we play the Wales in um, I think our first game in, uh, in uh, as U.S. men's national team, so that's all going to be an interesting storyline. And then lastly, we got all the new kits being released. I always love seeing the new jerseys that that come out. Manchester United released theirs. I like both of them. I like the collar. the The red jersey looks great. All the a lot of the other teams are releasing them as well. I like to just see where they fall. I think we'll probably do a kit ranking. As we get closer, 
tie it into our Premier League preview, which is coming up. The season starts on August 4th or 5th, so we're getting close. It's going to be great. So we'll do a little kit review and see who's got the best kit as we get closer to the season and uh, and see what, what kind of fun we can have with that as well. Okay, let's get into the meat of today's episode, the 4-3-3 formation. We'll break it down. We'll talk about how it sets up. We'll talk about some of the most important positions that you need for this formation to work really well. And we'll look at some examples of different positions, players, and teams in the past that have just done this well. And we'll talk about why it's so popular today. Because when you look at the landscape of world football, the 4-3-3 seems to be the standard. It's the most popular, I think, although the 4-2-3-1, which I consider a variation of the 4-3-3, is becoming more popular as well. But the 4-3-3 really became popular under Barcelona. Uh, they they kind of made it popular. Ajax in, in the Netherlands uh, was really the first team to develop the 4-3-3. That's kind of the where it, where it came from. And then the, the Dutch with Johan Cruyff, Louis van Gaal, brought it over to Barcelona and really made it famous in the mid-90s. But it took all the way until the 2010s for it to really become popular across the board. So let's take a look at what you need to set that up. You know, when you look at the 4-3-3, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. You have the four in the back line, two center backs, two full backs. Then you have three center mids. Typically, you're going to have a defensive mid and then two more box-to-box midfielders, or one of them is more of a box-to-box. The other one plays a little higher, almost into the number 10 role. But you're, the, the, the defensive center midfielder is going to be the most important position when it comes to a 4-3-3. And we'll look at some of those examples as well. Now, you also have your center forward and two wingers. Sometimes you might have a false nine, which basically... It's not quite a center forward striker in the traditional sense, but it's a player who's playing up in that position, but maybe drops in a little bit more, uh, doesn't have that full kind of stays up high all the time. They drop in, they are more of a playmaker as well, and that's become fairly popular as well. But when we look at notable examples Barcelona coming through uh, with Johan Cruyff and then Louis van Gaal started to make the 4-3-3 a formation that people kind of took seriously. Then you see it under Frank Rijkaard and Ronaldinho and Samuel Eto'o and then Messi came into the fold and then it just went to a whole nother level with Pep Guardiola. And Pep Guardiola's Barcelona teams are considered to be the greatest teams of all time. And when you look back and watch them, 2009, they dismantled everybody in the Champions League. They were so fluid and so smooth and probably had the greatest trio of a midfield ever. When you think of Xavi, Iniesta, and Sergio Busquets. Those three were an incredible midfield. And it says something where 
Barcelona's midfield was Spain's midfield when it came to the national team as well. They just were so good and so intertwined. You had Sergio Busquets. If we're going to talk about a center mid, a deep-lying center mid, the most important position is that defensive center mid, or it's also called the pivot. And what that position does is when you're on offense, that is going to pivot you from uh, from kind of the defensive part of the field to the offensive part the the defensive center mid is going to come collect the ball turn and distribute the ball forward they are they're supposed to be a great passer of the ball and they they need to be comfortable on the ball in all circumstances and i can't think of a better guy than sergio busquets who is just so smooth he's so comfortable he never looks like he's breaking a sweat and he was the perfect fit in that midfield then you have the other two where you have Xavi's more of that box-to-box. He would get up and get down. Iniesta as well, but he was playing a little bit higher, kind of in in front of Xavi and really closely intertwined with the wingers and the center forwards. You think of Messi, you think of um, Neymar, Suarez when they were up there. Uh, they, they, they just had a phenomenal, phenomenal team. And that defensive center mid is the link now there's other good ones okay so Rodri right now for um, Manchester City very good Fabinho amazing center he, he is the linchpin for Liverpool Xavi Alonso if we go back a little bit for Liverpool for Real Madrid for for Bayern Munich uh, an incredible player in that position, Casemiro right now for for um, Real Madrid. These are guys who are playmakers, but they also have a defensive capability to snuff out different attacks. It is a rare combination, and it's why I think the four two three one is becoming more popular because you have two pivots and you have two players kind of doing what one was doing when in the 4-3-3. So that just shows you how great some of these players are, that they are the only deep-lying midfielder, the only pivot, when a lot of play, a lot of teams are doing a double pivot today. Another important position is the fullback position. Okay, With, with a 4-3-3, and this is going kind of common with, with all... Uh, fullbacks these days they have to be able to get up in the attack they're out wide they're running they're overlapping they're serving balls into the box they're they're playing with their teams in possession you think of Danny Alves Jordi Alba Marcelo currently Trent Alexander-Arnold Robertson for Liverpool Cancelo for um, uh, for Manchester City you go back to Philip Lahm for Germany and Bayern Munich and these are players that would get up into the attack. They're very comfortable with the ball at their feet in the offensive third, creating chances or being available in possession. This is a growing trend that your fullbacks need to be up in the attack. And then what that has done for the wingers, and this was a, this was kind of done at the same time, you have wingers traditionally back you know, 30, 40 years ago, you would have a left-footed player on the left side and a right-footed player on the right side. 
and that was with a 4-4-2 especially so that you can get balls served into the box. But with the evolution to the 4-3-3, we have what's called inverted wingers. So you think of Messi, Ronaldo, Ian Robin, Frank Ribery, Mbappe, Salah, Mo Salah, to name a few. These guys all play on the, the one side, but their strong foot is the opposite. And what that's designed to do is for them to be cutting in to the field, going at the players. And the interesting thing is it's really hard to defend a player who's coming at you with speed and cutting towards the middle of the field. It's easier to defend players and move them out wide because you have the sideline that can act as another defender. That gives you some help and you can force them there. But when they're coming at you and then they're moving towards the inside, it's extremely hard to defend. And this was part of the evolution. Messi, I think, made this role, you know, what it is today. You look at him, he's always played on the right and he cuts in on, on his left. Ronaldo, as he, he started off more as a outside mid, but then evolved into a left-sided winger when he played at Real Madrid. He had Karim Benzema as a center forward, and Ronaldo was out left and would cut in. Uh, when when uh, Pep Guardiola moved from Barcelona to Bayern Munich, he had Ian Robin on the right, who was a left footer, and Frank Ribery on the left, who was a right footer. Both of them would cut in. That's what we see a lot with um, Mo Salah, right, today. That's how he plays. So the, it's designed to work with the, the, the fullback where the winger will move inside and the fullback takes that space outside. And that is a real deadly combo in today's game because you have more players up into the attack when you play that way. So that, that 4-3-3, the top positions, as we, as we talked about, is that defensive center midfielder. If you can lock in a really solid playmaker who also can defend, you're in business. But then the wingers, they steal the show, right? They're the ones with all the, the headlines, scoring goals. But that defensive center midfielder is the anchor holding everything together. But then you have the fullbacks who are getting up and playing that is the combo. That's what you need to have a successful 4-3-3 in today's game. So why is the 4-3-3 so popular? You know, I think it one thing, it offers a lot of balance. When you look at the at the football pitch, you have in a 4-3-3, you got four defenders kind of bringing up the back. That's pretty common. Um, you know, the center backs are the deepest, the fullbacks pushing a little higher. But then you have three across the midfield, and they're just being able to balance things out. And, and, and having three in the mid is very common today because it gives you that extra player in the center of the pitch. But then the three up top, the, the, the center forward and the wingers, kind of fill around, and you have almost every area covered. And you're, you're able to cover spaces well. And then you, it's really, really good for pressing. So it is an attacking formation because you have the three up top and you have the fullbacks getting forward. But it is also a pressing formation 
because you're covering all your bases. With having three up top, the center forward and the wingers, you're able to have that center forward split back and forth with the, the, the two center backs of the other team pressing and forcing them to either side. Then you have the wingers who are able to step up on the fullbacks or even go even higher if they need to. So you have a lot of good stability and then you have the three center mids who are able to step up and press as well. And we, we, we can look at it in different scenarios, but we looked at this with our review of the Manchester City and Liverpool game, and we noticed the difference between how Kevin De Bruyne was stepping up and pressing versus how Jordan Henderson or Thiago were stepping up and pressing. And if you want to, you can go back and listen to that episode. We dive down deep into that. I don't have time to cover it today. But the 4-3-3 offers the ability to press really well. And that's, I think, why the modern game is adapting to it because pressing is a part of the modern football game. Like we talked about, it was pioneered with Ajax, and that is the way that the Dutch play. That is the Dutch style. And if you go against that, it's almost heresy, uh, especially with Ajax. But um, but they, they pioneered it. It took a little while to catch on, um, but I think what, what it really lit the fire was Pep Guardiola's Barcelona teams uh, with Messi, in- Iniesta, Xavi, Busquets, Puyol, Piquet, uh, Danny Alves, Jordi Alba. I mean, these are guys who pioneered this formation and made it what it is today. Now, the interesting thing about Pep is his Manchester City teams look a little bit different. They still play the 4-3-3, although I do believe it morphs into more of a 2-3-5 as you get going. Now, with their new signings, that could change. They have Erling Holland now, who is a true center forward. So I'm curious to see how they incorporate him and what Pep's team is going to look like. As a Manchester United fan, I'm not that excited for it. You know, uh, they seem to keep getting better. And we are playing catch-up. So that'll be an interesting thing. But I'm really excited to see uh, some of these new teams uh, and the new faces that we're getting in the new teams coming in and see who is going to go with a 4-3-3, who's going to go with a 4-2-3-1, or other formation variations that we'll see in the upcoming Premier League season. You know, we're going to see probably some 3-5-2s, 3-4-3, if we think of Chelsea and Tottenham, who play those very differently. So it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what we're going to see from the Premier League this season. I'm looking forward to the teams, um, you know, rounding out, getting their last players put in, and, uh, and, and getting this season kicked off. And obviously everything is building towards the World Cup I probably will mention the World Cup in every episode because I'm so excited about it. But that is my take on the 4-3-3, what you need to make it work, why it's so popular. I hope you enjoyed it. We got some great things coming up, guys. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Give us a review. All that stuff, as you know, helps, and it gives us great feedback. And then be sure to follow us on Instagram, Socrates podcast leave some feedback anything you want us to cover uh, you know dm us and we'd love to hear from you as well but we got some more things building for the future 
and the Premier League season is just around the corner. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to the Socrates Podcast. Quick shout out to GridLab for providing the music and the artwork for today's podcast. Socrates Podcast is a production of Ball Watchers FC. Ball Watchers FC.